Welcome to the pod. Uh, we are back. It's been a bit of time between the pods. Uh, I really miss doing them. I really miss you guys listening to them. So uh, we're back. Um, in this pod, I had a pleasure of chatting to Michael Italiano. Now, Michael is a performance coach and best known for working with Daniel Ricardo. Now, for those that don't know who Daniel Ricardo is, uh, I'll get Siri to help me out. Hey, uh, hey, Siri. Who's Daniel Ricciardo? Daniel Joseph Ricciardo is an Italian-Australian racing driver who is currently competing in Formula One under the Australian flag for Renault. Want to hear more? Uh, no, thanks. Uh, Ricciardo. Uh, that's the first time I heard anyone call him that. Uh, not a big deal, Siri. Or maybe you should uh, do a bit of um, bit your own research, actually. Uh, anyway, uh, anyway, back to uh, that uh, Michael Italiano. And so, in this pod, we discuss how he actually trains um, Daniel. It's quite interesting for those that um, don't know much about F1. Uh, it's a car race, and they drive the cars very, very fast. They get up to you know three hundred k's per hour, and one of the things that not many people know is that those guys are frequently fit. Uh, because they drive the cars so fast and those cars are very advanced and there's a lot of braking, acceleration, they have to deal with a whole lot of uh, G-forces, which means that in the race that goes for up to two hours, uh, their average heart rate can be up to 160, 170 uh, beats per minute. So clearly they're freakish athletes. Uh, on top of that, they also have to keep their weight in check as well because there's a lot of science and engineering to goes into the reaching those high speeds and getting the best out of the car and driver as well. Uh, so today we discussed a lot about uh, how Michael does that. Uh, so it's quite interesting to hear it from him because it's such a unique sport. Uh, one of the things that really hit me during this uh, interview was when I, when I coach athletes or anyone, uh, the whole goal is to essentially get people to move better um, uh, we do a whole lot of obviously mobility uh, because mobility is quite important. And one of my favorite definitions of mobility is uh, strength at that range. So um, what kind of hit me or what I found interesting is that when Michael trains with Daniel, it's totally opposite. Uh, he needs to train him to be uh, quite stationary in the car, obviously sitting down, um, but be able to take on those forces. So the approach is slightly different than when I train athletes or, you know, again, anyone that just wants to move better. So it was quite cool uh, to listen to him and it's such a unique sport and sometimes we don't appreciate uh, those athletes as much because we only see them perform in a car or sit down in a car. So anyhow, uh, I hope you enjoy this pod. Uh, please leave us a review or send us an email at marinlazic.coach uh, if you want to hear topics um, that want me to discuss or get a guest on. Uh, you can also get me on Instagram at Marin Lazic and you can DM me for, uh, again, same things. Uh, any questions that you might have. And yeah, uh, that's it for me. Uh, enjoy the, the pod and 
Yeah, speak soon. Michael, welcome to the pod. How are you going? Thanks, Maroon. I'm going well, thanks, man. Just uh, I'm in London at the moment, and the weather has put on a bit of a show for me. It's quite nice. It's actually it's, it's nice and sunny for a change. Mate, um, I'm stoked to have you on, and I've got so many questions. Um, and the <laughs> first one, a um, bit, bit of a personal question. Um, have you had a go in the car yet? No, no. And you know what? It's actually it's a, it's a common question I get asked. Um, unfortunately, these cars are specifically designed for the drivers. So the seats are molded for the drivers and... Daniel Daniel has hips of a fourteen year old. Um, he's got the smaller tips, so I can't fit in that car. I'm uh, I'm too big, unfortunately. Um, maybe maybe one day I'll get to sit in it with in an empty shelf. But uh, no, I answer your question. No, I, I'd love to, but it's uh, it's it's not possible. And then uh, another question has been on my mind: um, when you drive home with Daniel, who drives? Okay, so usually I drive um, when we're together. Um, when he requests to drive, I do get scared a little bit because he's a bit unpredictable. But uh, but yeah, mainly I drive. Um, we are sensible, but yeah, it, it kind of depends where we are and what type of mood he's in. But he does enough driving on the weekend, so usually by the time we get in the car, he's he's tired and he's quite exhausted. So I'll. Uh, I'll, I'll take the wheel, but he's a he's a terrible passenger, like terrible. He will he will tell you to, to, to change lanes. He, he will tell you to 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 make that that orange light. Uh, it's 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 like you've got a, a, a driver instructor next to you. It's terrible. Mate, be, I can just imagine, mate. Uh, thank you very much for doing a pod, and um, you know, I'm pretty stoked to have you on. So, for the audience, I mean, how did you get on this journey of? I guess, in the fitness and then becoming a performance coach? Um, to, to be honest, it kind of, it was kind of, it was kind of building up. So um, leaving school, I, um, I started studying civil instructional engineering and I was actually in, in, the, in that area, that field um, for about seven years. So I had an office job um, just working, you know, uh, a normal eight hour day in the office and then, and then coming home and I was playing sport um, Quite, quite seriously, I was playing Aussie rules. So um, I always had a passion for, for fitness and sport and I was always I was training every day and, you know, I was, I was, I was reading a lot of books and uh, I just randomly in the office one day kind of had a bit of a, a self-evaluation moment where I was kind of like, oh, would I be happy if I was sitting in this office in 10 years' time? Uh, and, and the answer was a straight no. So um, I, I kind of took it up then and there to, to, to change. So I started studying in, in health and fitness uh, online um, part-time whilst I was kind of transitioning out of my full-time job. And that was, geez, that was a long time ago, but uh, I haven't looked back. I, I, I started my own uh, business in Perth doing strength and conditioning. So started off just training my friends. Um, I just wanted to train my friends and, and, and help them, uh, I guess, achieve their goals. And, and, and a lot of theirs was, you know, um, one of my mates wanted to look good for his wedding one guy was playing Aussie rules and, and obviously wanted to improve his athletic performance. And then before I know it, I had a bunch of, uh, you know, corporate clients. Um, and then a lot of athletes started rolling in through like rugby, golf, mixed martial arts, um, a little bit of motorsport guys would, would come in. Um, and it kind of, it kind of built to a, to a clientele where it was, um, I was very busy. I, I had, I had about 50 odd clients, active clients coming in per week. 
Um, and I was loving it. I was loving it. I, I felt like it was a lot more of a, of a re- rewarding job, um, you know, helping people achieve what they want to achieve, you know, seeing seeing people's attitudes change, seeing a lot more positivity and, and, and smiles when, when, you know, they're coming through that gym door. Um, and then, yeah, with Daniel, to actually get into motorsports full time, that was that was very random. Um, you could probably say I was I was, I was quite lucky in, in a sense where um, I knew Daniel on a personal level. Um, I think we met when we were like twelve years old, um, just through mutual friends, and you know we would keep in contact randomly because he was he was living away, he was living in Europe. So you know I'll probably only see him once a year, but you know we knew of each other, we we respect each other, we we would we would talk. Um, and when he'd come back, when he'd come back home, usually around Christmas time, we'd do a bit of training together because he, he knew obviously we, we had similar interests in training and, and fitness. So, um, you know, we, we would run together, we would do some gym together, but, but, but nothing serious. It was more of a, a friendly catch up as such. Um, and yeah, I think maybe just based on that and based on him seeing how my business was developing through, through Perth and, and also that, that trust factor. I think he trusted me as well. He, he randomly offered me the job in 2017. Um, so it, it, we never really had any discussions before that or, or spoke about, you know, potentially working together. It was just more of a, I guess, good timing for, for me and, and also obviously being, I guess, yeah, being a little bit lucky where, in a sense, where he, he believed in, he believed that I could, I could help him. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely, uh, it was quite surprising. Oh, that's awesome, and I love it how you said like trust because I think one of the huge roles for strength conditioning coach and performance coaching is is trust, like trusting the process, and there's so much emotional connection as well. So that's cool, mate. Um, uh, one thing that I learned about F1, and I think what a lot of people don't know about is um, as an athlete, they're freaks. Uh, meaning, I think they're what the race might go for like a you know up to two hours, and because of the g forces their heartbeat, you know, heart rate can be up to, you know, 160 or averages 160 beats per minute. So I was curious, or first, is that, if that's correct, if my research is right. And uh, secondly, like, how do you, you know, how do you train the F1 athlete? Uh, yes, your research is right. It, it can, your heart rate can probably get a little bit higher as well because uh, with innovation these days and, and how quick these cars are getting, uh, they're actually experiencing a lot more G-force every year. Um, so we've noticed that, yeah, year on year, the average G-force that these guys are experiencing actually keeps increasing. So it's 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 quite a crazy sport where every year you you almost got to be fitter. You got to be stronger. You got to be fitter. You know, so it's it's not about just ticking the boxes. It's about okay, these were your PBs. This is where you're at last year. We need, now need to better it. Um, which I love, you know, uh, I always say to, to Daniel, if you're not improving, you're getting worse. Um, so, you know, seeing these cars uh, just improve year on year up year, it's it's almost like a bit of an accountability on the drivers to go, okay, wow, we're going to, these cars are getting quicker, which means I need to be fitter. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a positive accountability for these guys to keep, keep, I guess, raising the bar from a performance point of view. Um, and, yeah, to train to train these guys, it's it's very unique. Um, I won't lie; it took me a year to get my head around it, because um, you know I've walked into an industry that I, I don't speci- I didn't specialize in um, initially. So there was a lot of a lot of reading, and I guess 
also being a bit of a sponge and a sounding board. And, and what I mean by that is just soaking in the information of what Daniel would, would tell me and, and, and speaking to their, you know, his engineers and, and other performance coaches as well. So being a bit of a sponge that first year and then being a bit of a sounding board and listening to what Daniel feels he needs, um, you know, what he thinks he needs to work on. And then after a year, I kind of implemented a bit of a, a training regime for him. But the main elements you need to work with is, is definitely uh, your cardiovascular fitness. You know, these guys are under constant um, tension throughout a race. You know, you know, I think the only time they really get to relax is is down the straights. You know, they might just relax a little bit, you know, move move their, their fingers and, and, and just relax their shoulders and, and core a bit because, you know, they're in this isometric tense bubble for two hours it's, you can almost imagine how much fatigue can can, can build up in that time and and then they're obviously counter, counteracting g-force around corners and, and the braking loads so um so that's one thing is their cardio cardiovascular fitness has to be has to be the standard or sorry has to be elite i should say but to 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 an f1 standard it's very high um, their neck strength as well so their neck actually um, endures most of the g-force um, during during a race, so um, training their neck a lot. So use, doing a lot of body weight stuff. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot you can do with just using your head. Your head weighs more than you think. <laughs> so there's actually a lot of body weight stuff you can do to build the neck. Um, and we also use um, a neck harness, so a, a safe neck harness that we use. Um, you can get quite quite creative with the neck. You can you can use some exercise balls. Um, there's there's a lot out there. Um, so as you'll see with a lot of F1 drivers, they've all got big, thick necks. Um, yeah, they're, they're super strong. And I guess the other thing is probably their posterior chain um, takes a lot of the load. So, um, you know, what a driver will tell you is when they're driving, it's like, you know, you've you got to feel the car with your hips. So, you know, one one common question that I think everyone would ask, is like, how, do you, how do you know when the car's at the limit? You know, like these guys keep going faster. How do you know you're not going to just absolutely go off of turn one and, you know, a lot of drivers will tell you, you know, you, you feel the car with your hips. So um, their QLs take a lot of the load. Um, during braking, their glutes and hamstring and calves take most of the load. So um, I guess it's like any athlete, right? Any athlete, if you want to be a, a good athlete and a strong athlete, I think you, you need to have a very, very good and strong posterior chain. So that's kind of no different to the, to the general athlete. What, um, what, like what would be the kind of the common injuries? Like like any athlete, and now we talk about you know niggles and injuries. But on what you just said, would the common injuries be the neck and or hips? Like what what goes in a, in, a, in you know near the end of the season? What do drivers complain about? Um, they they complain mainly about tightness because they're always so stiff. They're in this they're very very this tight tight confined space. Like you don't actually realise how strapped in they are to this car. Like their hips are locked into this this carbon fiber seat. This doesn't move. They're strapped in, and then their knees are, are, are literally they're 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 like in these knee sockets. So like the, their whole body can't move, and they're, and they're under tension for two hours. So if anything, they're complaining about tightness. Um, you know, tightness in the glutes, tightness in the in the QLs, definitely. Um, you know, lower back um, tightness through through your um, um, anterior delts. Uh, chest, neck. So it, it's mainly tightness. Um, if there is an injury, it it, it may come from uh, a minor accident. Yeah. So um, you know, to to put it into perspective, you know, around a, 
a fast corner. These guys can experience between six to eight Gs, which is equivalent to about putting 30 to 40 kilos on, on your neck and trying to withstand that. So it's, that's, you know, you, you try hold a, a 30, 40 kilo dumbbell in a gym. It's, you imagine that on your neck for, for two hours straight. So, so that's, that's around a corner. Now, Daniel had a little crash um, in the second week of Austria um, where he, he went off, he lost his rear and he hit into the tires and that, and that, that was up to 24 G that, that, that collision. So, and then out of that, you know, that's where an injury can come from. You know, you, you can, you can hurt quite easily hurt your knees, your wrists, um, and you know, your, your ribs as well. So that's, if, you, if they're getting injured, you know, unfortunately it, it can come from, from a minor crush as well. But, um, but mainly, mainly drivers are complaining about tightness. It's, uh, I'm listening to you, right. And like a lot of athletes that I coach, like for water polo tennis and just my clients, like, we talk about movement, just moving, you know, moving in a 3D and improving the movement where you need to coach your athlete not to move, to be stiff. Like, and it's just such a like opposite, um, I guess, game. And, and I mean, yeah, like, as you said before, like your job is pretty rough. So, um, yeah. Yeah. What, um, do you use any variables? Like, do you, do you, I mean, can you use, um, I don't know, do you track HIV, sleep, or do you use any of that data for training? Yep. Um, definitely sleep. So we use an aura ring. I'm not oh. sure if you've got yeah. of that, but um, yeah, we, I use that to track your sleep. Obviously, uh, sleep's a, a big, big uh, contributor to, to recovery. So I will track your sleep. Um, um, that's pretty much really the only thing we, we, we can kind of track um yeah heart rate variability as well but unfortunately we don't have the luxury to you know like a lot of football teams or soccer teams to, to walk into the club the next day and have a full rehab yeah. there and you know masseuse and and yeah because we're on the road every day or every week so yeah we, we do use some little some little gadgets here and there to to, to prompt recovery um but uh, yeah, to, to track mainly what I track is is his recovery. And what I was just curious after the race, does his HIV drop mm-hmm. right down, or what's is there any kind of chance with his HIV with post racing or? Um, it it kind of it, it kind of depends. I, I think most most races. Um, yeah, it, it depends, and the reason why I say it depends is because some races are a lot more demanding than others, and then some races we also uh, fly out that exact that night, so we'll leave that night, and that will also hinder his sleep, one number one, and then obviously his recovery, and then being up up in the air as well. So, so yeah, so his HRV it, it kind of varies. It depends on race to race, really. I, I couldn't really give you a, a set answer on that. Um, stoked. Uh, I use Whoop, so it's kind of what we use, and quite, oh, yeah. you know, it's um, you know, a lot, lot of now water pool guys are using. Yeah, so you're either a Whoop user or order ring user. So, um, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, for me, the sleep is number one, and yeah, quite. I was quite curious to see what HIV does for someone like Daniel, and um, I'm quite excited now. So I'm gonna bounce all over the place. So we spoke about recovery. What do you do for recovery? Like, I mean, yeah. what and what is? I mean, how stuffed is Daniel after the race? Yeah, he, he's usually uh, quite physically. He's tired. Um, probably not. 
probably not to a point where you're you're exhausted as such. It depends. I think usually the Budapest race is very very hot. It wasn't very hot on the weekend, so usually it's up up into thirty degrees. So by the end of a Budapest race or a Singapore race where it's super humid, he's very very um, I guess lethargic and, and exhausted, and you know they can can lose up to like three three four kilos of, of sweat just in in those races in um, Abu Dhabi another one. Um, so, yeah, I guess I guess building um after a race, I give him a, a, a post a post shake. So just so obviously the, the recovery supplementation is important. So we have a bit of a supplementation protocol that we we put in place after the race, um, and then the, the week leading up, um, hydration of course. So making sure he's getting a lot of um a lot of uh, liquids back in with um you know make sure he's got electrolytes coming through as well, um, sleep. And we've also got a, a ther- like um, a massage gun. Yeah, so the vibration. Uh, yeah, using the ma- Yeah, using the massage gun to get into him because usually, usually we're we're out on that Sunday night, which we were. So these are the, these are the these are the simple things that I think anyone can incorporate, no matter who you are. That you know, if you don't have the facilities, if you don't have the technology in hand. You know these simple things work, and 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 also the last thing I forgot, which is probably just as most important, is nutrition. So yeah, you know, making sure that he's eating well. And what, and that's where I was going to next. Like I mean, because you got to be careful not for him to put on weight. Yet he's got to be strong. So it's almost like training a fighter in yeah. many ways as well. Like, um, like what what yeah. what nutrition? You know, what what's the kind of nutrition protocol? Yeah, it's difficult because, like you said, you need him to be at their optimum performance but then some races the engineer comes to me and it's like oh i need him to be a, a kilo lighter today or you know and it's like oh geez or oh, sorry not today um tomorrow yeah. so they'll no, give me notes <laughs> but uh so yeah it is a bit difficult so sometimes we will uh cut back on the calories ever so slightly um you know usually we're um the hotels we're out we have some saunas so we'll use a sauna um but you know, come the weekend just gone, they, they actually is the first time in a while they wanted him a kilo heavier. Oh, so, wow. uh, <laughs> so just getting a lot more fluid in him, really. And I would, what you know, I would make him overeat uh, before before a race. But um, yeah, it is difficult. Um, the good thing about Daniel is that he is a senior, so I think definitely when you've had a lot more pre-seasons under your belt, you kind of understand your body a lot more, and your body responds a lot better. So. Being able to fluctuate from uh, usually we only have to fluctuate between a kilo losing a kilo or putting on a kilo. So it's in 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 real way, in real terms it's not that dramatic like yeah. a fighter. You know when fighters have to cut four or five kilos yeah. more. Um, so it, yeah, the variability is only about a kilo. So yes, it is it is tricky. Like we're just going to be onto it, but it's not extremely difficult, and it's not to a point where I, I think it hinders his performance at all. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, again, you've got to probably be quick on your feet if to cut weight or um, to get him ready for the race day. Um, what does the race day look like? Like what, um, I mean, would you guys, how long before the race day would you guys rock up to the track? Um, you know, what, what sort of uh, warm-up do you do? Yeah, so uh, usually on the European races, the, the race is around 2, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, other some there's some night races which then it changes but but uh, fundamentally we usually get to the track around ten o'clock 
So we'll get up and do some dynamic stretching, just get the body moving, feeling good, you know, get some blood flow, um, you know, waking up, getting some sunlight, um, and then we'll head to the track around 10 o'clock, um, and that's when uh, Daniel has some engineering time. So he'll sit with his engineers and just run over the strategy, so tyre strategy, race strategy, um, watch some uh, onboards of last year's starts, so where are you starting on the grid, um, where the, where's the best place to position himself, turn one, two, and three, because the start is very important. So he'll run over some onboards. Uh, he'll do some practice starts in the garage. So he'll go into the garage and do some practice starts with the crew just to sharpen his skills. Um, and then by that's usually gets to about two, 12 o'clock. And then by 12 o'clock, that's usually when I'll, I'll give him lunch uh, and when he has a, a few media commitments. So he'll have um, some meet and greets, you know, meeting some sponsors, um, just the usual stuff that kind of happens on, on race weekends. And then I usually don't get him till about oh, 1.30, is when, when it is when we get Dan and Michael time. Um, and then and we have to be in the garage by 2.20. So we only get about 40 minutes to warm up, which is quite surprising. And it's not ideal for me, but that's just how the, the sport is run. Um, and that's when we will do a bit more dynamic stretching. I'll get the gun. I'll get a massage gun into him because the uh, massage gun is actually really good for the pre-activation of the muscles. So just pre-activating the muscles that uh, he's going to be predominantly working throughout the race. Um, and then what we usually do is um, we usually do some more uh, muscle activation exercises with some bands and resistant bands. And, and then we, we move it, we transition into some peripheral warm-up training and then reaction training and really sharpen him up. And that's when the mood starts to really start to get a, a little bit more amplified. It's, it's a very relaxed state and, and relaxed vibe throughout the day. Yes, we're excited, but I like to keep him chilled because it actually is quite a busy day. Like he doesn't actually just get to sit in the racing room and listen to music and just talk with me. Like he's actually back and forth. So it's important that he stays relaxed. But, you know, by the time that we're walking into that garage, that's when the, the vibe starts to definitely amplify. You know, the music starts to intense, intensify in his headphones. And um, that's when we start to have a bit more of a game face and, 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 and talk about the, the race ahead. What um we mentioned um uh, hand eye stuff on reaction. What what sort of games or what do you usually do for that? Um, I I don't tell many people this stuff because this is like the type of stuff where you know every every uh, performance coach has their little angle and approach to certain things. But um, but yeah, there, there's some stuff that we use that that we obviously we we keep indoors. But um. But, some, but there's, some, there's a lot of stuff that I'll, I, will, I will share a little bit. There, there are um, a lot of stuff that you can do with, with tennis balls as well and, and, and some lights as well. And even even with um, with some cones, coloured cones, you can get quite creative. But um, but that, that took me about a year to, to, to figure out and come up with a bit of a, a race preparation as such that, that, we, that we obviously believe in, that we trust, that we think it definitely works. So, um, yeah. Uh, you know, I'll show a bit here and there, but um, but as for a, for a, a proper whole um, preparation, that's something I think stays internal between uh, coach and driver because that's that's sure. their that's their little mojo to get that. Everyone's trying to get that gain that one percent, right? It's it's a sport of one percenters, so uh, that's that's kind of part of it. So on that, what's your relationship like with other coaches? Is it like is it a bit tense? Or is everyone friendly? Or I mean, do you guys? get together and kind of, you know, bounce ideas or is it just pretty private um, relationships? Um, 
I think between drivers, it's it's very private. So yeah. I think as from a um, a respect um, point of view, I, I don't think you know us drivers will ask, uh, I guess you know private or, or training questions regarding other drivers. I think that's just a, a standard protocol. You know, that's that's their business. But um, but yeah, every, all the drive, all the trainers are extremely nice. I I know I know them all. Obviously, if, if I see them in the paddock, we'll stop and have a chat for sure. They're all um they're all lovely. They really are, um, and yes, there, there are. Everyone has their own, uh, I guess, specific guys that they they hang out with most. But yeah, like like I, I do hang out with a lot of them um, quite regularly, actually, because um, you know you all have similar interests, you know, and especially there's a lot of times where you're in the same hotel as each other. So, um, you know, the, the mornings where you wake up and it's race day and you want to train, you know, they're they're the perfect training partner, you know. So they're they're you know there's guys that I train with quite quite often that are obviously trainers of other drivers. So yeah, it is a quite tight knit community. Um, you know, we, there's a, there's a, we have a WhatsApp group together and just to, you know, if there's anything that we all want to share, but, um, but I think, I think from like a, from a training performance side, I, I think that that's, um, that's just a protocol where we don't really go down. If, if we go down the performance side, it's mainly to talk about our own interests yeah. from a performance side, like, Oh, what are you working on in training? You know, you know, how do you find this? But, but we, we would never dive into, I guess, the driver's side. And mate, that, that, that kind of like leads me to the next question. I'm sure you're used to talking about Daniel, but how do you look after yourself? Because I think people don't realise as a performance coach, you've got to be on. You, your energy is important. You can't rock up, be tired or, you know, be cranky or whatever. So, And you also work pretty yeah. much maybe longer than Daniel. Or you, are, you do work longer than Daniel. So what do you do to look after yeah. yourself? No. Yeah, that's a great question. I actually, um, I, I, I found, I figured this out the hard way the first year, you know, because the first year I was, you know, really, really focused on just trying to make sure I do my role as best as I could and, and learn as much as I could. And part of that, you know, my, my training took a bit of a, a slump. Um, my sleep took a lot of a bit of a slump and I actually got sick like three, four times that year. Um, and that's kind of when I sat back and I was like, oh, wow, like, I'm focusing all, you know, so much on this one guy, but, you know, it's also important that I look after myself because if I'm not up to my optimal, you know, um, self, then how can I be of help to him? So after the first year, I actually asked myself that question. And, and so that was, yeah, it's a great question. And so what I do, I, I usually, I become a bit of a, I guess, a role model, you know, so if I'm asking him to get eight to 10 hours of sleep, I'll make sure that I get eight to 10 hours of sleep, you know, and if I'm asking him to eat, certain foods and, and, and eat the way he does I'll make sure I eat the way he does as well so um, well not only am I now incorporating stuff for Daniel I'm now incorporating it for myself so um, sleep is a is a big big one um, supplementation as well so making sure I'm getting you know adequate uh, vitamin D um, in, in, into my into my system you know B12 vitamin C um, I'm also you know stick to a, a good healthy morning routine as well and yeah, that that's been a massive, massive difference. I've I haven't I've I'm I'm now yeah I'm like Daniel. We're we're, we're sharp together. We do everything together now. But uh, yeah, I, I I must admit the first year I, I struggled with that is uh is yeah looking <laughs> looking after myself as as equal as he does. And mate, um, and I think oh, I, I can relate to that. Like I um I remember doing a bit of work with Australian water polo team and same thing, just trying to look after him. And my biggest thing was I couldn't fit in my training. 
and I was eating just as much as the boys. So like, you know, after two weeks of training camp, <laughs> they, they eat a lot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you got to really, yeah, find a time to, um, look after yourself. Do, do you meditate or do any breath work? To be honest, I just started. Cool. Um, so can I comment on it? Probably too soon, but it, it is something that I've struggled to, to consistently bring into my routine. Um, it's not because I don't believe in it. It's just it's just about trying to break that current routine, current mold. Um, I definitely think there's a there's a space for it. You know, there's a there's a common there's a common trend there with a lot of successful people um, that talk about mindfulness and, and then breathing. So it's something that I I'm definitely am, I'm working towards, but I'm I'm very raw and new to. Yeah, cool. No, it's uh, I'm same as you, just sort of on the journey of it. But the breath work something that's really helped me personally, which is been good um oh yeah mate uh online programming uh you know i was doing research on you uh i came across your beautiful website uh and looked uh pretty <laughs> pretty nice pretty fancy uh mate, what, what can you tell us about your online programming yeah so i, I guess when i started with daniel it was um it wasn't as easy as the transition as i thought you know like i was putting all this time into 50 odd clients and all of a sudden I had this one client and it was just, it was just a bit weird. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, like obviously I've got, I've got, I've got the routine sorted now, but um, I, I always, when I transitioned, I always still missed that element of, of helping others. So um, the main purpose of me building my website is to be able to help others now. So back to how I, I my, my original, my original roots of, of starting out as a coach. So, um, so what I've done, I've, I've developed a lot of in-home um I guess, premium programs for, for any fitness level and um, for, for any fitness person that wants to incorporate some home training. So um, it's, it's, I've just started. So there's, there's only, there's only four programs at the moment, but I've got another 14 coming. Um, you know, I'm going to provide a lot of nutrition uh, content, free content um, for people too. If they want to help, if they want to, um, you know, aid their programming with, with some healthy eating, which is obviously extremely important. It's probably just as important as, as your programming. Um, so it's, it's almost, um, it's almost just giving back Marine. Like obviously I'm helping Daniel as much as I can, but now, you know, I'm, I'm still building my knowledge. I'm still learning a lot and, and I want to kind of share that with everyone, um, the way I used to. So that's pretty much the, the ultimate goal behind it. And, um, can, I mean, can anyone do, you obviously mentioned it's all levels, but like, is there anything in particular that you learn from working with Daniel that is important for everyone else? Like, uh. And potentially something you're not seeing in traditional fitness that people can do. Is there anything that uh, you can pass on? Yeah. Um, if there's one thing that stands out with Daniel, it's it's how calm he can he can be under high stress situations um, and, and focusing on his breathing. So we, we we work a lot about being calm and and being able to focus on your breathing, and you know that's that's probably the, the biggest element uh, that I see in him um, as a, that's kind of stands out as a, as a professional athlete. But um, if it's something that uh, other people want to incorporate into their training, uh, a strong core goes, goes a long way. Um, I think people don't train their core enough. So they don't, they don't train their glutes, QLs, um, abdominals, obliques um, enough. Um, I think, I think that's a, a, a big, big uh, element that people should, should definitely focus on. And there is no reason why you shouldn't train your neck. 
there is no reason at all. People think it's, it's you know, they, they 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 stare at us when we're training our neck in, in hotels, and they think, gee, that's weird. But you know, your, your neck is is what holds your head, holds your head, you know, together. So it's uh, it's it's also an important muscle, you know, also from a, a posture a posture um, point of view as well. So um, yeah, I, I've incorporated some very basic neck exercises in in, in the bodyweight programs on my website. So um, that's something that people can can have a look at, but it's it's also something that's it's important that probably doesn't get recognised enough. Yeah, and I imagine obviously a lot of people are working from home on laptops, computers. Like the neck exercises are going to be right on. So there's probably a bit of a yep. fix for that as well. Um, is, have you got a favorite book like uh, that you kind of recommend? Uh, I sort of blindside you this question, but is there any favorite book do you recommend for coaches or even people? You know, inspiring or anything that you sort of got pumped up on? Yeah, I um, I do. Um, hang on, let me figure out what the book's called. I just forgot it. So it's, it's so so the one that kind of got me. Um, it was it's a sports psychology psychology book. So it just talks about I think they interview over a hundred athletes um, and they talk about their sports psychology and and what kind of what the you know what's the, what's the main factor that that kind of pulls them apart from everyone else. Um, uh, it's called the champion's mind. That's right. It's called the champion's mind. Um, that's probably from a to answer your question, for a performance coach, I, I think that's a fantastic book to read and be able to dive into professional athletes within all sports um, and, and all competitions. You know, they, they've interviewed American sports, Olympians, um, you know, Australian Australian sports, um, and to be able to understand how these guys think, um, understand their routines, how they go about, um, you know, their, their daily life. I think it's important for a, for a coach to see this and, and, and understand, I guess, the sacrifice and determination that's required. Um, and, you know, that's that's a big, big thing. If you want to become a good performance coach, you have to understand your athlete very, very well. Um, you know, if you don't understand your athlete, you're not going to do that trust. Yeah, no, that's uh, – I'll, I'll put it in show notes anyway. Um, what's next for you? What's uh, – obviously, I'm sure you're on a quest to win a – World Championship, but what else is uh, yeah. on your agenda? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the primary goal will never change. It's t- trying to win a World Championship with uh, with Daniel. So I'll keep pursuing that. Um, I, I do want to build uh, my my online platform. You know, I've, I've got a lot of things in the pipeline to, to build um, on my online platform with uh, a lot more programs, um, a lot more nutrition content that I really want to really want to work hard towards um and i'm actually uh, i'm actually still starting i'm doing a master's degree in sports management and business so i i, I may I, yeah future endeavors may may lead me towards more of a sports management and and an agency but uh but we'll see how that goes but yeah that that's keeping me busy also mate uh that sounds awesome and and i'll make sure we put all um your link well, actually where can we people find you what's uh, what's the best way to find the uh, the online programming and yourself yeah so um if you want some online um programming or nutrition advice you can best get me on my website which is www.michaelitaliano.com um i also have i'm quite active on my instagram so at michael italiano where i post uh free workouts recipes um 
a whole bunch of stuff and, and mainly my our F1 journey, me and Daniel's F1 journey together. Um, so they're, they're my main two um, platforms. I've just started a YouTube channel. Um, um, so that that's kind of in the works. We're just doing a bit of filming for that. But yeah, so that's, that's also exciting. But they're, they're, they're my main two channels that can find me. So there is a chance that potentially for YouTube channel, you're going to jump in a car, drive off, play a, play a joke on Daniel and uh, get some, get some subs. <laughs> have you actually, yeah, that, uh, that would be, that's the dream. <laughs> have you, um, I, I, I seen, um, I think it might've been actually Red Bull. They have like a cars. It's got a double seat at the back. Have you been in one of those or have you actually experienced the G yeah, forces yourself? Yeah, they. Um, I think F1 do it as well. They do it for the special guests during the race. Well, they were doing it. Yeah. Where they, yeah, there's, a, there's a double seater, and um, you can have your chance to uh, sit in the back and, and drive. But no, I, I haven't experienced that uh, yet. I'm, uh, I'm. I've got high hopes that hopefully one day I'll be able to uh, get one of those double seaters and and obviously not drive. But yeah, uh, yeah see, seeing how seeing how my neck holds up. I'd be, I mean, it'd be terrifying, but um, it'd be interesting just to have the experience, yeah. the actual, um, the forces, and uh, I'm sure Daniel will like to, you know, for you to experience it as well and and gear you up a bit as well. So, um, yeah, that's when the trust factor comes in, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be good. And got no hands, um, mate. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, you know, uh, you're you, no, you're, you're welcome. Busy man, and. Um, I'm looking forward to just you know following your journey on Instagram and 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 you know hopefully you guys win the world championship. I know it's uh it's seems like one of the really hard things to do. Um, so you know it's uh and I I, I was watching the uh, the documentary uh, last month in quarantine as well, which was kind of make me fall in love with the sport as well. And just you know it was a oh, good cool. way to see what goes behind the scenes, you know, and um, and appreciate your job. So. Uh, you know, dealing with everything. Thank I'm you. Just, um, so, mate, good luck. Um, and, yeah, like, uh, hopefully we chat soon as we, again. Thank you, Marion. Appreciate your time, man.